Hi, and welcome to the Black and White Podcast, where we speak radical grace, raw truth, and real hope in a gray world. I'm your host, Denise Pass, with my co-host, Micah Maddox, and this month we have been taking an exploration of the word freedom and how it correlates to the Christian life. In this episode, we are looking at political involvement and the Christian. The scripture for today is from Proverbs 31, verse 8, New International Version. It says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Micah, this scripture truly chokes me up. To be silent while people suffer is criminal. But fear of man can hold us back. You know, people get ignited with anger based on fake news, and they run off in ignorance, and we all can do that. But before really searching a matter out. Yeah, you know, when I first read this verse personally, I, I go immediately to those who can't speak for themselves. And I think of our foster son, you know, we've covered this topic before. But then as we look at it on a broader scale, we look at it as far as our nation, you know, we can feel powerless because there's so many who are in bondage. How do we really speak up for those who can't speak for themselves and help them with freedom? You know, the problems in our world seem so big, mm-hmm. but still we are called as Christians, as believers to do our part in whatever sphere of influence that we have. Yes. And I think sometimes it's, do we talk about it or do we actually put it to action? You know, we have to do what God has called us to. I think the problem comes in because we don't want to become polluted by the world. And yet we are to be the light of the world. We are to be in the world. That means a part of this world to be that light, but not of it. So sometimes we can get confused as to how we are supposed to affect this world or when we feel so marginalized because the Christian opinion has been dealt a blow by our culture as being irrelevant or separate from the government. Yeah, I think it stems all from just a misunderstanding of the separation of church and state. Mm -hmm. You know, this metaphor was, according to All About History, was used exclusively to keep the state out of the church's business, Mm -hmm. not to keep the church out of the state's business. And yet it is still propagated that the church should not affect legislation or how the government is run. But the furthest thing is true. That is, yeah, if everyone could just keep that, that principle right there. When the state is controlling the church, that's obviously very dangerous. But you know what? There is some truth to the fact that you can have these radical religions that can create a lot of, we see that today on the world stage, you know, a lot of pain. So I think there's a balance, but I think that when people misuse what was intended by our founding fathers, we're just using it as an excuse to to close the mouths of Christians. Hmm. And when we believe that lie, it virtually and physically handcuffs us from action. Like what has happened in the public schools with the removal of prayer and teachers told that they cannot talk about God unless the child, I guess, asks them. And even then Mm. there's rules. When we limit what people say, going against the freedom of speech, how is this the education that God intended and the founders of our nation intended when they purposely embedded multiple references about our belief in a living God, Jesus Christ, impacting all we do? This goes back to our discussion of freedom, though. You know, to be free from the influence of Christianity is not freedom at all. It's true. You know, Christianity is slowly 
And I would say even more quickly getting pushed out further and further and further from from the church, from our states, you know, from the schools that you wonder how in the world could laws like prayer being removed from the school or abortion being allowed as a freedom ever have happened? How did this happen? Mm. You know, but we have other horrific sins happening in our country too. And we can't be silent about it. We, we are told, you know, that we have a freedom of speech, but then when we do speak about it, Mm-hmm. It doesn't go down so well. So here we are trying to find our voice as Christians. You know, what do we speak up about? How do we speak up about it in love so that we are not seen as heretics, as crazy, as bigots? As yes. You know, how do we do that? We face this struggle of, you know, operating in a freedom of speech, but doing it in a way that is in love. Yeah. It's tough. Well, you know, we're told to be tolerant, but then they're not tolerant of Christians. Mm. That's hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. I think everyone, you just nailed it. Yeah, I think you just nailed <laughs> it. Like, come on. Drop the mic. Drop the mic. But it's per- propitiated by this whole mindset out there that you have to, everyone can do whatever they want again, you know? And mm. if you have an opinion that is against anyone else's opinion, where's truth? Where is truth? And so I think also part of the problem is that there have been abuses of religious dictatorships committing evil deeds in the name of God, a God, radicalizing people to do the same. It is difficult for fallen man to try, well, to not try to gain power for himself or his religion. But the Bible says that pure religion is clear. James 1.27 says, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, to keep himself unspotted from the world. A nation led by God is a nation that will exemplify this character. Evil deeds point to who is at the root of a nation. It's so true. You know, our actions speak louder than our words. So as we are walking through this life, trying to exercise our freedom of speech, We have to allow our actions to match up with God's Word. So Mm -hmm. we have to be walking in truth, and truth is non-negotiable. I think I've shared this in the past. I love this quote. It came from our small group. A man just said, hey, truth is Mm non-negotiable. If it is negotiable, then it's not truth. There's no no absolute, then there's no truth. So we've got to walk in truth. We've got to walk in grace. We've got to walk in love. All of these things that God's Word tells the, us that the Christian should do. It's the fruit of the Spirit. You yes. know, we've got to be gentle. We've got to be kind. We've got to be calm in our approach so we're not just reacting and responding yes. to every political issue that comes across. You know, you see it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I've got I've got Christian friends who I believe they mean well, but man, they'll just spew nastiness all over the internet as a response to whatever political agenda they're trying to support. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I really believe that's not what God would have us to do. I believe that God calls us to speak the truth, but he has us speak the truth in love. Yes. Well, and a lot of times the spewing that you see on social media even has curse words with it. And I'm thinking, um, well, James actually says, you know, in the Bible that we should not have praise and cursing from the same (laughs) But I think there's confusion because people are living in a Christian culture. Mm. They think it's Christian because, well, we are, we've labeled ourselves, yep, I need salvation, but now I'm just going to go live my life. Yeah. 
And that's part of the confusion because people are calling us, okay, even if people view us still as a Christian nation, which other nations do, I think oftentimes they look at our hypocrisy, which we do have, if we're honest. We do. You're right. But that doesn't mean, you know, a lot of that is because some people are claiming Christianity and totally not living it out. That's not what Christ died for. Yeah. You know, um, I think sometimes we need to think back, you know, the Old Testament I just had in my mind in the days of Ezra when God's word was read aloud and the people were stricken with awareness of their need to repent. And I just feel led right now to read from Isaiah 58. And this is the New International Version. Just so you know, um, I don't necessarily prefer one version over the other. So I don't want you to think that you have to read the NIV or the ESV or the NLT. Or, or the KJV, <laughs> which I do love. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I love them all because they bring different insights. So I'm just going to put that out there. Some of y'all can go ahead and write me emails if you want, but you know. <laughs> but at that time, when the prophet revealed, Isaiah the prophet revealed what true faith, what a true fast is, a nation founded on these principles will indeed be blessed by God. And here's what it says. Shout out loud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen, only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them, and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations, you will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's day, holy day, honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father, Jacob. 
for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Amen and amen. (laughs) Wow. You know, God's word is powerful. Yes. God's word is so, so powerful, and we need it every single day. If we would just saturate our minds with God's word Mm. and pray for our nation, if you just pray this passage for our nation right here, what could God do? It's like, man, it makes me think of the verse, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, will pray, will turn from their wicked ways, then they will hear from heaven. That's us. We can hear from heaven. We have access to the power of God. What amazing, Mm. amazing opportunity we have. I love in this Isaiah, this passage, it says, your light will shine. Yes. Your, your light will be seen. You'll see the path to go. So as Christians, how do we find our place in the political sphere of influence? How do we know how to exercise our freedoms in politics? We can look to God's word and he will open our eyes and he will light our path and show us what to do. Yes, and I think what we really legitimately passionately live out the Christian life. The world won't be confused. Our people in our nation won't be confused. They will see that there is truth. But when we don't live by the truth, mm. how can we even be a light ourselves? And so we, we have to get back to the basics of that original foundation. It's true. You'll be known by your works. Mm. You'll be known and your light will shine, like Matthew says. The raw truth today is we have a responsibility to uphold the truth of God's word, even when our nation is turning its back on God. The radical grace is that God in all his mercy has not destroyed us yet, despite our hypocrisy and the lavish freedom that he's given us. And the real hope is that God promises to speak for us, even when we don't have words. And when we doubt what to say, God's word is where we can find power. You know, there's going to be a couple of links at the bottom of this. If you would like more resources on how you can get involved in politics in a biblical way, in a spiritual way, in a Christ-like way, you can scroll down and find the links at the bottom. You've been listening to the Black and White Podcast, where we filter life through the Bible and live life in the freedom of truth.